Hello, this is Ben Bowler of Unity Earth. Welcome to this fifth season of the Convergence Radio Series. Over the last three years, we have seen the unfolding of the road to 2020, with events held in many sites around the world, all building the movement towards unity and peace. Now in the back half of 2019, we turn towards the major events planned for 2020, a year that is shaping up to be a watershed moment for our planet. In November 2019, it's the Varanasi Convergence in India's holy city. Then it's Uday 2020, Holy Land, Living Water, next February, bringing the Unity Earth family together to celebrate Interfaith Harmony Week, to raise awareness of the plight of the Jordan River and to stand for peace in the Middle East. The finale is the September 2020 Caravan of Unity across America, beginning with great ceremony in San Francisco and winding across to New York City, where thousands of organizations around the planet will be celebrating the International Day of Peace. The time is truly upon us for a convergence of the many ecological, spiritual and socially inspired movements, rising up and showing up together with historic force on the world stage. Friends, there is much to be done and much to look forward to as we wind our way towards that day. For now, it is my honour to hand you over to our series hosts, the one and only Dr. Kurt Johnson. Thanks so much, Ben Bowler, for that introduction to the Convergence series. Welcome to this Convergence special on Voice America entitled Standing for Peace, Spotlighting Spiritual Practice and Activism here on the Convergence on Voice America. This is your series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson of the Inner Spiritual Network and Unity Earth. This Voice America special is an important one because it highlights not only events current in 2019, but looks toward how these will sync with even more important events in the year 2020 with regard to the culmination of Unity Earth's Road to 2020 vision. So we begin this special with multiple events and activities about spiritual practice and activism in 2019 and their connection then to Unity Earth's Standing for Peace campaign as we set our vision on 2020's multiple events around June 21, 2020's International Day of Peace, which culminates in the Caravan of Unity across America scheduled to launch from Grace Cathedral in San Francisco in August 2020 and move in a sequence of events across the United States to culminate in New York City on September 21, 2020. Now, there are many, many organizations and networks around the world cooperating in this grand plan. So in this special on Voice America today, we're highlighting five major sets of 2019 events, which are part of this big step forward for the year 2020. In the five segments of this special, we're going to first recap the 2019 International Day of Yoga, for which our companion magazine, Light on Light, has published a special issue with the International Day of Yoga Committee at the United Nations. And then we're going to be speaking to the editors of Light and Light magazine to get a feel for their vision and where their magazine will be headed through 2019 and into 2020. 
Particularly, this Voice America special corresponds with an expanded edition of Light on Light special issue for Yoga Day 2019, which will appear in August just a few days after this broadcast. Then next in this broadcast, we'll be speaking with the founders of Transformation 365, which is a spiritual practice initiative from Unity Earth's partners at contemplativelife.org and learn about their virtual and ongoing programs. Fourthly, then we're going to be speaking with Ben Bowler and Adam Collette of Unity Earth's Road to 2020, Standing for Peace Campaign, and the Caravan of Unity, and have them lay out the string of events that are anticipated across 2019 and up through the International Day of Peace, September 21st, 2020. Joining us in that segment also will be Rick Alfick, the founder of We the World and the 11 Days of Global Unity, which are annually banner parts of the United Nations celebrations of the International Day of Peace. And then lastly, because so many members of the Evolutionary Leaders Network are involved in these 2019 and 2020 events, and by the way, the evolutionary leaders are at www.evolutionaryleaders.net. We're going to be speaking then with Reverend Deborah Moldauer, who's the director of the evolutionary leaders, to get a sense of how these many well-known leaders, activists, and spiritual practitioners will be a part of what looks like an extremely exciting two years to come. So let's move over now to my first co-host, Denise Scotto who is chairperson of the International Day of Yoga Committee at the United Nations. A full bio for Denise is at the Voice America show page and also at www.unity.earth. And Denise has guests from those who were featured in our June special issue of Light on Light magazine, which partnered with the UN Committee for the IDY to lay out an amazingly inspiring and colorful issue of Light on Light for the global festivities of this year's International Day of Yoga. So welcome, Denise. We're really pleased to have you here with guests recapping the 2019 International Day of Yoga. So many events for which were captured in our June issue of Light on Light magazine with your committee at the United Nations. So Denise, tell us about your guests and then join them in talking about this year's International Day of Yoga, and also the plans for the future. Thank you so much, Kurt. First of all, let me express our deep gratitude to you, Karuna, Shannon, and the whole team for inviting the International Day of Yoga Committee at the UN to be part of this important radio special. For those of you who don't know, the UN General Assembly passed a resolution designating June 21 as World Yoga Day. And in June, we already celebrated our five-year anniversary. The time has gone just so quickly. I hope that the celebrations of yoga around the world have been meaningful for everyone. And in New York, we have had a number of events in the UN and the greater UN community as well as in New York City and around the world. This year, the UN event was originally scheduled outside on the beautiful lawn overlooking 
the East River, but because the weather was so crazy, it was rained out. So what that means was that we all just had to go inside to the main UN General Assembly Hall. Could you imagine how thrilling it was for us to be oming in that General Assembly Hall? We were oming for peace. And in September, the world leaders will be there when the General Assembly new session kicks off. We also had another event in the UN with an emphasis on the topic of climate change. But we'll share more about these events because I really want to welcome our special guest, Gayatri Narain. Gayatri is a member of the Brahma Kumaris at the United Nations, where she's represented the organization for decades. She is a Raja Yoga practitioner, and her focus is the impact of Raja Yoga on transformation, integrating spiritual principles in the secular world. And we'll explore more about this. However, I'd like to share that she's the vice chair of the Yoga Day Committee at the UN, and it's been my privilege to walk in companionship with Gayatri these past five years in our mutual passion regarding yoga. Welcome, Gayatri. Thank you, Denise. It's a pleasure to be um, talking to you on this very important topic. Can you describe for our listeners who may not know what Raja Yoga is all about? Raja Yoga is considered to be the king of yogas because Raja is uh, royal, it's highest, it's the most elevated, and yoga is connection. So Raja Yoga is actually um, a way to connect to or connect back to the source. It could be the source of the self, the source being the divine, being that supreme, the source from which there is originality, from which things emerge that are either suppressed or are not um, looked at or forgotten. So Raja Yoga is actually a return to that highest self, divine, or even the elements in order to discover the originality, the purity from which that energy that will transform things could come from. What a beautiful way to explain it in such a simple uh, manner. Can you tell us how you see Raja Yoga's impact in the work of the U.N.? You see, the UN is a very interesting um, community of people with a very interesting agenda. The uh, United Nations agenda is really looking at bringing a sense of uh, benefit to human lives. And so um, Raj Yoga is also looking to reaffirm that dignity and worth in people's lives. And so when 
this whole aspect of yoga is introduced within the United Nations programs and uh, their, their plans of actions, it is actually looking to see how whatever the UN is doing is impacting that reaffirmation within the dignity and worth of the human person. And so I feel it has been, the UN has been working at the level of how do we feed, clothe, and house people to bring back that dignity, that worth. But with the introduction of Raj Yoga, the impact will be, well, what are the reasons that's stopping the dignity and worth of the human being from emerging naturally? Is it that? And so I think the impact is at the level of consciousness. Those words are very profound, and I wish we had more time to explore in greater detail. I hope that our listeners can understand that Gayatri is one of the most humble persons that I've ever met, including being an incredible font of wisdom. And I think that we've had a brief snapshot of a little bit of the wisdom and the experience that she has had in her time at the United Nations and how yoga has really been part of an integral way to create benefit for so many people. So with that in mind, uh, Gayatri and Denise, would you like to say some things about what the committee's plans are for the future? Sure, Kurt. We actually have a special meeting coming up in August at the United Nations that is taking a look at yogic principles and how it's promoting a culture of peace and nonviolence. Because in September, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the UNESCO's Culture of Peace Initiative. Gayatri is a spe- uh, featured speaker uh, for our program. So, Gayatri, would you like to share a little bit from your end? Yes, I think that um, uh, in the future plans that we're looking at is exactly that and how we can bring this idea of uh, the role of yoga in all the different um, programs of the UN. So within the culture of peace, you know, we're going to be looking at peace itself as a culture. It isn't that peace is setting into any existing culture, but if yoga is a way of living, then peace is part of the DNA of the person practicing the yoga. And so that is where culture emerges from. It is not something that is, um, you know, placed upon someone or imposed upon someone, but it naturally emerges out of the person. So peace is a way of being, and that creates culture. And one of the things that Gayatri has always spoken about is how the culture of peace or a culture of peace goes in hand with nonviolence. Exactly, because then in October, we're going to be celebrating um, Gandhi and celebrating the nonviolence. And so a culture of violence cannot be a culture of peace because peace comes from the souls of human beings. And so nonviolence has to be looked at from within the nature of human beings. And so I think that the strategic thing of our committee is to look at what the UN is offering and then take it to a deeper level, a deeper track of conversation. So whether it's nonviolence, whether it's peace, whether it's tolerance, whether it's human rights, we're all looking, we're bringing yoga into their discussions. 
and we hope that you're able to take a look on the uh, take a look at the Light on Light e magazine special yoga day editions from the United Nations because this is what we've tried to share the experiences of how that is involved in the work of the United Nations. Well, thanks so much again, Denise and Gayatri, for carrying on that conversation so we not only know about what's happened this year, but the amazing plans that you have for the future. So we're going to be looking forward now to uh, Denise's next guest and rounding out this, uh, this whole treatment of, of yoga in the world and everything that you've been doing uh, with the committee. So, Denise, we'll go over to another line now to welcome your next guest. So can you introduce your next guest who we're so happy to welcome and continue this conversation about the International Day of Yoga? Absolutely. Thank you again, Dr. Kurt Johnson. Our next guest today is another special person. His background is quite impressive in many ways, and I'm going to give only a snapshot of his experience. Otherwise, we'll spend all our time listing his credentials. He's a career diplomat in the Indian Foreign Service, where he's a fluent Chinese speaker, and he's served in China in four separate postings. More recently, he was the national coordinator for establishing the International Solar Alliance in India. He holds a master's degree in law from the Fletcher School, and significantly for our audience, he is a yoga practitioner himself. His Excellency, Ambassador Nagaraj Naidu from the Permanent Mission of India to the United Nations is with me now. Welcome, Ambassador. Thank you so much for having me. We're delighted you can join us. Your Excellency, the majority of our audience members practice yoga in one form or another. Could you share with us how you first encountered yoga and what it was about yoga that led you to be a long-standing yoga practitioner? Uh, for me, it was as simple as getting into water uh, because my whole family does yoga. My grandfather himself was uh, uh, not only a yoga practitioner, but he was also a teacher. So as a kid waking up early in the morning, I used to see all the students in the house. So for me, practicing didn't require much of an effort. It was a breeze. But it was definitely over the years that the intensity of the practice kind of, you know, because I was getting so deep into the practice that uh, today I feel that, uh, you know, my initial uh, introduction to yoga through my grandfather kind of was very, very helpful. Well, it sounds like it's in your genes. If your grandfather was teaching, how incredible it is for you to be carrying this on in your own family and in your own life. Absolutely, because, you know, uh, I never knew uh, that yoga would become what it is today because uh, uh, essentially, you know, back home you know, in India, I'm from the south of India, and I'm a small middle-class family, I had you know, no idea that uh, the stage uh, that yoga has reached today. And it was very fascinating that uh, when I was in China, uh, when the first International Yoga Day uh, took place, and I went all over the country uh, asking Chinese citizens to come and practice. Today, if you go to China and see, 
there are practically thousands of yoga practitioners everywhere. This is incredible. It is incredible to hear that about China. I think many of us don't realize that there are so many yoga practitioners. Most of us know that there are eight limbs of yoga. Uh, Would you mind telling us a little bit about your yoga practice and what that looks like on a daily basis or or maybe better to say on a weekly basis? Uh, Essentially, you see, uh, there is every master or every teacher you know, over years of practice, you develop your own style. Uh, there are certain basics of yoga practice. There are, you know, some follow the Hatha system. Some follow the Ashtanga method. I do a mix of Ashtanga, that is the Mysore practice, including the Iyengar practice. Because there are certain asanas where I find that the Iyengar practice is more helpful and there are some where I find that the Mysore intensity, you know, kind of brings out the best in the person. So depending on where you are in your practice, I presume every master after having put in multiple years in practice comes up with something really good and fascinating. So and since all our bodies are so different, uh, there is no one kind of yoga that would fit you. You've you got to make yoga your own. You've got to own it. And the way you own it and the way the body accepts it, it brings out a completely different rhythm. You know, the, your bones and your muscles interact very, very differently. So you've got to own yoga. You've got to make it your own. And with that comes your own little style of yoga. So beautifully put, you have such a poetic way of describing yoga, and I think the other thing about it is there's such wisdom there because it shows how reflective you are in terms of owning yoga and what that means for each individual's particular body. What works for one won't work for another, especially in the physical aspect. What about the other aspects of yoga in terms of breathing and meditation? Is that something that you've seen in your travel, let's say in in China, that that's been something that also has been uh, being um, welcomed there as well? You absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, end of the day, uh, the, the physicality is a very important component, but gradually, you see, once you slowly master the physicality of yoga, uh, it kind of pushes you to the next dimension, which is far much more, you know, you could put it as metaphysical or, you know, uh, an area where you perhaps have not journeyed frequently. So, but... It is the physical exercises that move you there because the intensity with which you practice calms you down. And when it calms you down, the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out generates a completely different dimension which prompts you to focus all your energies into one spot and that leads to greater concentration and sometimes you know, puts very simply relaxation. So I think it is the physical exercises which would slowly take you there. But once you become a master of the physical exercise, you could get into the mental state of yoga far much more easily without having to actually do the physical practice. That's what happens with all the gurus, people who have put in multiple years of physical practice. For them... To get into the meditative phase, 
doesn't require effort. It is like as simple as sitting in a corner and breathing and it takes, it, it takes that person into a very deep state of penance, meditation and, you know, a state of bliss, ananda, which we call it. Well, I'd like to follow up what you spoke about in terms of taking us into another dimension with yoga. And I'd like to take you into now the fifth anniversary celebrations that are just behind us. Now, instead of being outdoors on the North Lawn, because of rain in New York City, we celebrated inside the main UNGA Hall. But also the next day, Your Excellency moderated a high-level panel in the Secretariat on the theme of climate change. Can you describe a little bit about that for our listeners? Yes, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we want yoga to be relevant. We want yoga to be relevant to what's happening to all of us all around the world, to our surroundings. So every year we take one particular theme and tell people that perhaps by practicing yoga, you know, yoga makes, you know, the practice becomes relevant to the cause. And that's why we picked up uh, uh, the, the theme of uh, yoga and climate change or climate action. Uh, because today I think one of the biggest issues that confront you know, all of us as people, as citizens of this world, is climate change and the deterioration of our environment in which all of us, you know, th- want to thrive. And yoga is not just about the physical or the mental state. You know, for the physical to thrive, we need to exist on this planet. And for all of us having to thrive on this planet, we got to lead a very sustainable life. And that's very, you know, it's easy to say, but extremely difficult to practice. But, you know, if you look at a yogic lifestyle, it is extremely green. It's a sustainable lifestyle and it is very easy to adapt to. So our attempt at having speakers come to the panel was to encourage that in this world that we live in, uh, is there a way that we could somehow adopt green practices the yogic life, a sustainable practices. You know, can we move from the use of plastic to the use of cloth? Can we also move on a sustainable and you know, ways of consuming food or the way we wear clothes? Can we have, uh, can't we encourage uh, sustainable weaving communities to thrive? Can't we use um, you know, non-chemical dyes? Can we use natural dyes? So all of these things, I think, you know, it is slowly coming up, but I think that there needs to be a movement. You know, uh, sustainability cannot be achieved by one or two people. It needs a, a global movement. We all have to join hands together. So we all feel that the yogic lifestyle encourages sustainability far much more easily. That, that, I think that's the whole, that was the whole idea. Well, we appreciate your poignant words and painting the picture of what a yogic lifestyle is all about and how it relates to the UN and the sustainable development goals. Thank you so much for your time and sharing with us in both your individual capacity as a yoga practitioner, but as well as a world leader as a member of the Indian Diplomatic Corps serving to create a better world at the UN in New York. We so appreciate the opportunity to collaborate with you. Thank you again, Ambassador. Thank you so much for having me. 
We're delighted. Thank you. And now we've spent time with our two guests, Gayatri Narain and His Excellency Ambassador Naidu. It's time for us to return to Dr. Kurt Johnson. I look forward to hearing the other special guests on the Convergence, and I'm handing it back to you now, Dr. Kurt Johnson. Thank you for this and for the International Day of Yoga Committee at the UN to be participating in this special. Well, thank you so much, Denise, and it's been amazing pleasure for us to do the uh, special edition of Light on Light magazine with you and the committee, uh, which, of course, is available, easy to find, through Facebook at Light on Light magazine. And we'll be following with an extended issue, as you know, that actually just went to press in the last day or two, and it will be out in a week or so, and it will be continuing all the coverage of the Yoga Day Plus additional features on spiritual practice around the world. So, Denise, thank you so much for bringing uh, both of these wonderful guests onto the program. Now, we're going to take a short station break now so that we can make some further announcements, and we'll be back again in just a moment here on The Convergence on Voice America. Hi, Ben Baller from Unity Earth, here to invite you on the journey of a lifetime. From February 1st to 7th, we are holding U-Day 2020, Holy Land, Living Water. This groundbreaking event represents a historic collaboration between EcoPeace Middle East, United Religions Initiative, and Unity Earth. Holy Land, Living Water builds upon the success and legacy of U-Day 2018 in Ethiopia and back to 2012 when the U-Day series began in Thailand. Our 2020 journey begins in Jordan on the Dead Sea before coming to the Sea of Galilee and then Jericho and other sacred places in Palestine before finishing in Jerusalem and Haifa. This six-day journey of discovery will highlight the plight of the Jordan River and the extraordinary work of our friends at EcoPeace. U-Day 2020 is a major event in Unity Earth's global road to 2020. We would love for you to come and join us. Be a part of history in the making with members of the diverse human family as we come together to promote a cause of peace and sustainability in the Middle East. Go to uday2020.com. That's U-D-A-Y-2020.com for more information and to book. Welcome back to the Convergence on Voice America, and thanks for that great discussion with Denise Scotto and her guests about the International Day of Yoga 2019 and already looking toward 2020. So next I have with me Karuna, who is the host editor of Light on Light magazine, and Shannon Winters, the managing editor of Light on Light and they're going to be speaking about Light on Light's vision and what it anticipates bringing to this big landscape of worldwide events as we move on through 2019 and 2020. So full bios for both of them are at the Voice America show page and also at www.unity.earth. So we'll start by talking to Karuna, who's the host editor of Light on Light. So first off, Karuna, I want to congratulate you on the great issues that Light on Light has produced 
in the last two years. It's really been amazing. And now I understand that Light on Light uh, is a magazine that specializes in spiritual practice and inspired lifestyle, and thus it's a little bit different than the other magazine that uh, Unity Earth produces, uh, Convergence, which is more about thought leaders and social activism. So since the inception of Light on Light, you've done major issues on spiritual practice and lifestyle, and this has included two annual special editions, which have been amazing, with the United Nations Committee for the International Day of Yoga. And you've done a special issue on transformational community, and also a very important issue just recently on sacred sites and spirituality and nature. So first off, Kruna, what I want to ask you is, as one of the founders of Light on Light magazine, what is your vision for the magazine and where it's going? Thank you so much, um, Kurt. It's such a it's such an honor to be here and to join in the importance of this yoga health and well being. This practice is, you know, this magazine is only um, a place in which we can get the word out and be change makers. And everyone who reads, we want to hear from. Uh, how you feel about the magazine and and just you know getting ourselves into a really good lifestyle where we're you know healthy am I happy am I holy am I and holy in the wholesome way as well as in the spiritual way welcoming all all religions all nations as the Native Americans place it in such awareness that we're just united now and not just but we really need to emphasize how united we are becoming and this unity is such a prevalent place in which we can live more peacefully whether we're doing a practice or just raising our children, living a lifestyle, eating well. It all has to do with the nervous system and it all has to do with the download of these activist leaders, these change makers, these spiritual leaders that are coming forth and we're so excited for our next issue of change makers. Um with Deepak Chopra and many more, just to name Ken Wilber's work, uh, The Four Quadrants, Waking Up, Growing Up, Cleaning Up, Showing Up, all of this is just a place in which we need to settle. And being settled means being peaceful and living in serenity and breath. And getting to that place that Yogi Bhajan, my dear teacher, and master teacher of kundalini yoga has so pronounced zero and that's capital letters z-e-r-o which means coming to that place of nothingness and we hear it in all practice even Pavarotti he quoted it in the movie that Ron Howard just put out it's quite amazing to go to these movies and hear of all beings who've passed, but what a voice, right? What a voice. And he talks about getting to zero. So we're universal here in lifestyle, and we're in transformational mode and building community. So I'm blessed to be a part of this and be an editor and see the vision come through and the beauty come through and 
all the yumminess of, of beauty and grace and fragrance and, you know, it just takes patience. Yeah, great, Karuna, and you've been such an asset relative to your role as host editor. Mm-hmm. We kind Thank of joke you. that you're the Martha Stewart of the magazine. You you set the table and you brought in so many people from mm-hmm. the transformational communities issue and through all of the sacred sites issue and the shamans mm-hmm. and the people from uh, indigenous peoples that were involved in the uh, in the uh, sacred sites and nature spirituality issue and this really explains why we have upwards to a hundred thousand readers which has been you know really amazing so the other thing I want to ask you about is I know that you're working on a book and on a lifestyle manual and also planning on starting a lifestyle teacher training program through light on light and through your organization light on Kundalini so Tell us about the book and the manual and about the uh, Lifestyle Teacher Training Program as that's envisioned. Well, thank you for asking. That's, it's, it's very exciting um, and not in an egoic way, in a way in which it gives me an opportunity to share my little um, potions and notions and activate that wisdom within me, bring the knowledge forward within us, share this knowledge as women in the divine feminine, as men in the divine masculine, the dance of the Shiva and the Shakti, and the beauty of nature and bringing all those elements together and how we can really live in nature without fear, but in abundance and live for each other and be able to walk without harming the mother earth without polluting the skies without all this stuff we're doing you know the transformation needs to come from the ecosystem from the bottom up instead of from the material world from the top down with the ecosystem as Ken Wilber so beautifully spoke to us you know together when we were in concert with him and it's just you know and the sound current and the music and everything goes along with the practice and you know the first journey is the crystallized self and we get into the crystallized self the second journey is the expressive self Kurt and you know it goes on and on on and on the third journey is the transcendent self so yes Stuff comes up when we start to learn to do yoga and meditation, and we've all been in it for so long, but here we're going to give you a toolkit where you can carry around in your phone, on the app, on Light on Kundalini app, you'll see 120 asana practices, and, you know, it just has music and lifestyle, and it, they're taking the video a shot from a live class, so nothing's edited, nothing is made beautiful, it's just natural, just like us, no, you know, no fanciness, nothing is glamorized, it's just how nature lives its way, whether it's raining or snowing, heat, whatever it is, we're just getting right back to the basics with this book and offering, yes, we all go through awakenings and many of them, if we're so blessed to do so, and I'm not saying I am, I'm saying I'm working on it. And so this is the I am and all of us. This is, okay, 
Let's participate. Let's come together. Let's do a retreat together. Let's go to Costa Rica in December together. Let's just find out what it is, what it takes to drop into that. I love this this bowl, this huda we call it, this this pelvic floor and really getting a woman in her pelvic floor and a man in his and coming from, you know, the heart chakra, which is the neutral mind, Kurt. It's the neutral mind, friends. We So no ups and downs and ins and outs. We're just always there. And we're here to serve. And we're here to be able to serve in a much more deep way when we really relate to ourselves. You know, absolutely, Karuna. And I think that what you're saying really shows why Light on Light has been such a success because Mm -hmm. every issue has been thematic. Every issue has brought Mm -hmm. in a new constituency that we were speaking to. And yet Mm -hmm. it's always been based around, uh, you know, the values that you just mentioned. So I just want to thank you again for having and been a part of I just want to add of, one more sure. thing. Patience pays. Let the hand of God, generator, organizer, delivery, deliver you and just forgive everything and yourself and everyone and you will see the brightness of that sunshine rise and that moon rise and that sunset and that moon change. Every day be connected with your cellular level. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I'm certainly that, you know, the whole theme of this episode has been based on how spiritual practice activates everything else we do, and without that fundamental basic thing, like you said, of being grounded and connected and present and happy and holy and healthy, that then we we really are at full capacity. So thank you, and what I'm going to do now is go over to Shannon Winters, who's the managing editor of Light and Light, to get her take on Light on Light and where she thinks it's going as well. Thank you very much for having me on the show today, Kurt. Thank you for your work, and thank you for your your service. We deeply appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Next, I have with me Shannon Winters, the managing editor of Light on Light magazine, to also speak about Light on Light and its vision and what it anticipates bringing to this big landscape of worldwide events as we move through 2019 and 2020. So first off, Shannon, I want to congratulate you on the great issues that Light on Light has produced in the last two years. I mean, really amazing. Between your work as the managing editor and your husband David's work in design and layout, they've just been amazing. So since the inception of Light on Light, you've done major issues on spiritual practice and lifestyle, including two annual special editions with the United Nations Committee for the International Day of Yoga a special issue on transformational communities, and also one, a very important one, on sacred sites and spirituality and nature. So first of all, Shannon, tell me about what you see as the vision and ongoing plans for Light on Light magazine. Thanks so much, Kurt. It's always such a joy to be back on the show with you. When we launched Light on Light in March 2018, we wanted to really serve in bringing more awareness to all the great work that's happening all around the world, you know, globally on large scales and in local communities that in so many different ways are serving to enhance the flourishing of us as individuals, communities, but yet also humanity and creation as a whole in heart, mind, body, and soul. 
We've included features and stories in the magazine that illuminate the light of wisdom and compassion found in spiritual practices across all the world's wisdom traditions, from the inner spiritual mystic heart and contemplative practices and meditation, to, as you mentioned, the sacred sites and oneness with nature and Mother Earth, and then also to science and philosophy of yoga. In each issue, we seek to explore these paths and provide thoughtful and inspiring stories that meet our readers wherever they are along their own unique spiritual path. This includes anything from feature contributions by renowned visionaries and spiritual teachers, more practical wisdom and the how-to nitty-gritty for those interested in exploring a new practice, such as meditation, and regular columnists who so wonderfully show us how our spirituality and light shine brightly throughout travels and music, painting, poetry, and so many other pastimes. I mean, even gardening and dance and so many others. In Light on Light, we show that it isn't just about the light that's found in sacred spaces and times set aside in church or temple or intentional communion in nature, but really, all of life is a spiritual practice if we sit and think about it. And it's about bringing our heart, mind, body, and soul into balance and flow in everyday life to experience that inner peace and bliss. It's that inner wellspring of well-being and nourishment that then... When we go out into the world, we carry this inner light with us and make the world a little brighter, more peaceful, more compassionate, and a kinder place to live in. It's those qualities and characteristics of a light-inspired lifestyle that are connected even if spiritual practices look a little bit different from someone else in the way that they're doing them. By shining light on the varied, inspired lifestyles among those who've had those enlightening the awakened, inspired, divinely embracing peak experiences, we show that it's not only exclusive to one group, but it's attainable by all of us. You know, and similarly, though, we also discuss the very necessary shadow work and the darker places, such as dark nights of the soul, which are also very, very valid parts of the stage of transformation. Light on light embraces the fullness of our spiritual journeys. For example, as I always said in my own journey, if I did not know what the darkness was, how would I then know the light? It's the inner light of wisdom and love that we're serving to amplify in every issue of Light on Light magazine. Wow, great, Shannon. It's so great to get that sense, which we also uh, caught from what Karuna had to say earlier. So I understand that in the forthcoming issues now, you have another issue on spiritual practice that's expanding from the 2019 Yoga Day issue, and then a special uh, for the International Day of Peace in September, October, that's called Changemakers, Leadership and Transformation, and is chock full of really well-known people. And then another special one you're planning in the winter, spinning off of the Conscious Business Summit that is entitled Conscious Business for a Flourishing World. So, Shannon, tell us a bit about these upcoming issues, but also... Uh, We know that you have a book on the way about yourself and your own process of transformation and your spiritual journey. So tell us about that as well. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes. The issues coming up are amazing. So as you mentioned, in August, we'll be publishing our summer issue, Celebrating Spiritual Practices and the International Day of Yoga. So in addition to our wonderful regular columnists, we have featured articles from Folks like Andrew Cohen, who's a spiritual teacher and the founder of Evolutionary Enlightenment. Terry Patton, author, teacher, and revolutionary, co-creating a new republic of the heart. Reverend Diane Burke, 
She's the founder and spiritual director of One Spirit Learning Alliance and One Spirit Interface Seminary. We feature illuminations and contributions from Gard Jameson, who's co-founder of the United Religions Initiative, URI, Jeff Ganung, co-founder of Contemplative Life, and inspired voices such as Chris Grosso, an author and indie spiritualist. The, the next issue after that, which is, as you mentioned, too, Changemakers Leadership and Transformation, includes contributions from amazing people such as Deepak Chopra, Gene Houston, Brian McLaren, Stephen Dynan, David Sloan Wilson, and really, you know, so many more that I could take up all the rest of our time naming them all. It's amazing. And needless to say, these will be absolutely inspirational issues of Light on Light magazine coming up. Then our winter issue features the outcomes of the Conscious Business Summit with Humanities Team. This issue will focus more on asking how businesses can transform and become enlightened in this advancing age and discusses the visionary declaration of the conscious business revolution that's setting a new standard for business in our time for a thriving earth. It also features contributions on spirituality at work, how we carry our light and the values of our spirituality and spiritual practices into the workplace with personal stories and inspirational experiences, such as meditations in the workplace. The golden thread that flows in all of these amazing issues is one of transformation. Transformation towards evolutionary enlightenment and the expansion into greater experiences of flourishing in peace, bliss, nirvana, heaven, you know, by all the many names that we have for the light. Not only on that community, national, and global level, but also where it truly begins, which is within each and every one of us. You know, this is, as Synergies would have it, exactly where the theme of my book fits in. My book is an autobiography journey from the narrative pages of journals over a 10-year span of my life, marking the transformations within me in my inner life as I broke open from a life crisis, rebuilt my faith in the divine light. That is, at the time, I started back in fundamentalist Christianity, which was the religion of my youth, and then I traveled beyond the boundaries of the conformity of religion into the mystic realm where the veil was lifted and I experienced the oneness and divine within that's spoken of by mystics, yogis, and yoginis across the world's wisdom traditions. And just as Brother Wayne Teasdale mentions in his book, we're all are connected in the mystic heart. But Kurt, my story is only one of a multitude of all of us who all have gospels to share about our experiences with the divine and the light where inner wisdom and love pour forth from our lives. And that's what Light on Light magazine is all about, sharing and offering our stories to educate, inspire, enlighten, empower, and uplift all of our brothers and sisters all across the globe. Wow. Well, I must say, you know, not only do I know from hands-on that the forthcoming issues of Light on Light are great, but I also got to write a foreword to your book, so I know that your book is going to be extremely interesting for people who want to delve into the transformation of, of one individual. So thanks so much, Shannon, for joining uh, Karuna on this segment and for bringing us up to date on all these amazing plans uh, for Light on Light magazine. So next I'm going to be able to switch over to another line where I can welcome the founders of Transformation 365, a project of contemplativelife.org, which is one of the international partners of Unity Earth. 
so they can tell us about the multiple initiatives and activities that they are serving up for 2019 and 2020 as all of these events and plans for the Road to 2020, Standing for Peace, and the Caravan of Unity Across America continue to form up. Welcome to this segment of Standing for Peace, Spotlighting Spiritual Practice and Activism here on the Convergence on Voice America. This is your series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson of the Interspiritual Network and Unity Earth. This Voice America special is about multiple events and activities regarding spiritual practice and activism, especially as is rolled out in 2019, starting with Unity Earth's Standing for Peace campaign and with the June 21st International Day of Yoga and ongoing throughout the year. Our Unity Earth Network team has done two special online magazine issues during this period. First with the International Day of Yoga Committee at the United Nations for Yoga Day itself, and then an expanded issue at the time of this broadcast, looking at all of 2019. You've just heard about those in the first two segments of this program. So in this segment, I'm really happy to be talking with the innovators of Transformation 365, which includes some persons already familiar to many of you. Reverend Diane Burke, founder of the One Spirit Learning Alliance and Interfaith Seminary in New York City, Jeff Janung and Kate Sheehan Roach of Contemplative Life, Yanni Maniades of Unity Earth, and Mary Friedland of the Brahma Kumari Chicago. Now, their complete bios are at the Convergent show page at Voice America and also at the Unity Earth website, which is www.unity.earth. So Kate Sheehan Roach is going to be our co-host for this segment. So now I'm going to hand over the moderator role to her, and I'll only be coming back in at the end to tell you about the next segment that's upcoming. So over to Kate. Thank you so much, Kurt. You are truly the moderator of moderators. So many of us are uh, working together because of you connecting us. So uh, thank you again for bringing us together here at The Convergence. Um, what an honor it is for me to sit with these, uh, the five of us, the core team of uh, Transformation 365 to talk about um, what we're doing that's a little different from what else is out there, how we've come together, um, inspired to share transformational practices with people um, all around the world. So we, we came together at the Parliament of the World's Religions last November, just ecstatic about all we were experiencing there and asking ourselves, okay, what about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and all 365 days of the year? How can we stay grounded in this deep, important work. So um, that's kind of the, the, how the seeds of Transformation 365 began. But what I'd love to talk with the team about today is you know, some specifics about what we're doing and, and how, um, how we might connect with others out there who are listening. So I have a few questions for my dear friends here that I'll just pitch out to them and, and we'll see what comes through. Um, starting with my good friend Jeff Janung, who can tell us a little bit, if, if I ask him the right way, you know, what's, what's different about Transformation 365? What are we doing that's, 
that's different from all of the thousands of other offerings that are available on the World Wide Web these days. Well, thank you, and uh, thanks for joining us today. The inspiration for Transformation 365 was really to make practice more accessible to more people. But we wanted to do it in a way that was kind of unique and different than much of what has been commonly available uh, digitally. Uh, we want, really wanted to focus on transformational experience as opposed to teaching and training, which are also really great things, so that people could you know, really touch into the transformational experience from uh, respected and uh, very well-disciplined practice leader, and then invite them back to the practice for every day, for uh, two weeks or more, so that they really could immerse themselves in the practice. So the way that we do it is uh, we have a very brief introduction and a very brief ending to it. And the majority of it, approximately 20 minutes, is just experiential practice so that people can go back to it over and over again with the intention of deepening and sustaining the practice, which ultimately results in transformation. Great. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate that. Um, coming from contemplative life where gathering around practice is all we do. So Transformation 365 is an opportunity to really um, jump right in to practice together uh, through this digital medium. Um, from there, I'd, I'd like to talk with Sister Mary Friedland uh, out there in Chicago with the Brahma Kumaris about practice, about why, what are we talking about when we say practice and why is practice so important? Oh, thank you for asking this important question. Why is practice important? And when you ask that question, I'm reminded of Mahatma Gandhi's well-known message, be the change you want to see. Be the change you want to see. And this statement came from Gandhi's absolute unwavering commitment to his spiritual and transformational practice. And why did he say this? Because he understood from his own experiments with truth that change first happens at the level of consciousness. And if we want to make big changes in the world, we first have to make radical changes in our own thinking. This is what Gandhi did, and this is what we must do also. To create a world that runs on peace and harmony we first have to create that kind of world inside our own heads. And this, as we know, takes a lot of practice. <laughs> when we start searching inside for peace and harmony, we start to see why the world is such a big mess. And we start to see the connection between the inner and the outer, the connection between the personal and the global. And as we practice, we want to break out of the little box of limited and unquestioned beliefs and opinions and preferences. We want to enter the field of the universal. Our practices take us there to the field of the universal. They take us to a higher meeting ground where there's no judgment, no comparing, where we can connect with other people with the energies of peace and love and regard. 
And we can do this because we have discovered and nurtured these energies in our own practices. This is the importance of practice. Oh, beautifully said, Mary. And as you're speaking, I'm remembering how we started out, our very first practice was from Sister Gayatri of the Brahma Kumaris. And who better to introduce us to the depth of practice um, than someone who is so well-practiced herself, as are you, and as are all of these great friends here, that, um, you know, the opportunity to bring together great practitioners and share these gifts has, has really just amazed me to see what we're able to do together. So thank you for making it so clear and, uh, and showing us the way. That's beautiful. Um, and my dear friend, Yanni Maniaris, is another one who knows practice well and teaches so much himself. Um, but I, I have a different question for you, Yanni. I'd like to ask you about the practice leaders and, and who is it that might want to share a practice through Transformation 365? How, how is it that we're, um, we're selecting people or how is it that people are coming to us just organically to share their practices through Transformation 365? Thank you, Kate. At Transformation 365, you know, we're creating a compassionate, contemplative community. And the way we do that is by involving people who come from a deep practice and can share that with each other and can share the essence of their heart and the essence of their connection. And so we're about creating community and involving as many people as possible in this process around the world. And so what I'd first like to do is invite anyone who would just like to be a part of Transformation 365 to go to our website, transformation365.org. That's transformation365.org. And there you can see the archive of all the practices that we've done up to that point that you go there. And or you can just sign up and become a part of our community and engage in dialogue with us. And for those of you who have a practice, and would like to share it with us, uh, we'd like to know about that. And we've also set up an email address for that, and that is t365 at contemplativelife.org. And again, I'll say that T, the letter T, 365 at contemplativelife.org. And if you have problems spelling contemplative, it's taken me a long time too. So I will spell it for you. T, the letter, 365, and contemplative, C-O-N-T-E-M-P-L-A-T-I-V-E, life, L-I-F-E, dot org. And please join us uh, very, very briefly. I've been doing practice now for maybe 55 years in my life, and the variety that I've had the blessing to come upon uh, has been such a blessing to my life. And so we too here at Transformation 365 want to offer you the opportunity to learn from a child, to learn from adults, and to learn from yourself, and to learn from all the traditions and possibilities of practice uh, that exist. So please join us. We look forward to meeting you, greeting you, and creating a compassionate, contemplative community together. 
Mm, thanks so much, Yanni. Um, and Yanni just did a practice with us at Transformation 365, so you can actually go to the archive and, and, uh, and see what he has shared, as have each of the core team people. We've, we've started out sort of um, practicing ourselves, and now we're bringing in some, uh, some really interesting people from all the world's traditions and non-traditions, um, which leads me to, last but certainly not even remotely least, our, uh, our fourth member of the team here, um, Diane Burke, who has been working in so many different ways to, uh, to teach and share the interfaith and interspiritual uh, practices and traditions. Um, I want to ask you specifically, Diane, about how Transformation 365 reflects interspirituality as you know it. I know that term can be taken in a variety of different ways, but we're seeing it unfold. We're experiencing it. We're steeped in it. And I'm curious um, to ask you, uh, who's been doing this work for quite a while, how do you see Transformation 365 specifically in an interspiritual light? Thank you, Kate. Brother Wayne Teasdale, who coined the term interspirituality in his seminal book, The Mystic Heart, described that spiritual practice, particularly contemplative practice, is the vehicle and the means for inner transformation and for developing the spiritual maturity that allows us to live in the world with both clarity and compassion. Each of the great religions arose from a direct experience of the nature of reality, the unitive ground of being that we all come from, and the interconnectedness and interrelatedness of all of life. The ability to tap into and experience that unity of being is absolutely essential in our world today if we are to have a future of harmony and peace and continuation of life on this planet. What spiritual practice does and what each of the traditions have developed practices to help people tap into is that deeper ground of being so that we can know unity and know interconnectedness, not simply as a concept in our minds, but as a living experience that becomes the ground for how we relate to one another and how we relate to the planet itself. Practice is the way we move from having glimpses of that reality or that truth to integrating that into our daily living and becoming the place that we operate from rather than a place that we occasionally visit. And interspirituality is the recognition that we can share practices across traditions, even if we have different theological beliefs, even if we have different cosmologies, we can meet at the level of the heart and at the level of that deeper ground of unity that practice makes available to us. 
Oh, thank you, Diane. I'm just reminded of what brought us all together here. And I'm reminded of the day we, we uh, sat in silence and thought about what we would call this gathering and how Transformation 365 just sort of bubbled up out of nowhere. But I've heard Sister Mary talk about change. I've heard Yanni talk about uh, community building. I've talk, heard Jeff talk about how practice is uh, an experience. And now Diane, speaking of the larger context of interspirituality, it makes perfect sense that this is indeed a transformative daily deep dive. That's what we're really about here. And, um, you know, I, 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 the one, one phrase that came to mind is sort of this is where the uh, boots on the ground is what came to mind. And then I thought, you know, this is where peacemakers put their boots on the ground. Different type of, of image um, than, you know, the military action of putting those boots on the ground. These are where we get grounded, where we put our feet on this Gaia, this, this planet of peace, and really plant ourselves on a daily basis so that we can get up and do what we're here to do. So I'm, I'm honored to do that with you. I'm honored to share with others. I'm amazed at how the times we've come together for a, a live practice, which we launch through Facebook, a Facebook premiere, um, how connected we are, even with the people who just plug in with us. You know, people, we don't know who's going to show up, but we have these wonderful people that plug in and join us, and their presence adds so much to the experience. So we've, we've developed a bit of a following, people who come to all of our practices, and, and we thank you because your practice becomes part of the larger practice and becomes part of this community uh, that, that Yanni spoke about so beautifully. So it's, it's emerging. It's what my dear friend Kurt Johnson has often called the, the herd is gathering. We quote you all the time, Kurt, um, about how this is really something that uh, intentional practitioners can come and join in and ride the wave, this big wave of transformation that we're all a part of and um, willing to come together and share our different perspectives and see what, see what comes out. Um, so I'd love to just open up the last few minutes to each of us if there's anything anybody else would like to, to share, um, anything on your heart or mind that um, has come up in this conversation that might, be, might, might add to people's understanding of Transformation 365. Um, I know for me it's just a great honor to work with people who are so deeply grounded in practice and, uh, and all the fruits of that practice that come out in the way uh, we work together and uh, how exciting it is to really um, embrace this wonderful transformation, this daily deep practice. Anybody have anything else they'd like to add? Well, I'd just like to give a big thank you um, to, to Kurt Johnson and to uh, the Convergence for including us in this, in this wonderful conversation. It's been such an honor to work alongside um, Unity Earth and to, to see the big vision of peace that is coming out of this work and um, very, very so much optimism in a world that tends toward the pessimism, uh, the pessimistic side. We're, we're so deeply blessed by the, the optimism and the, and the great work that's being done. So I guess uh, on that note, I will turn it back to our host, Dr. Kurt Johnson, with many thanks. Well, thanks so much for that discussion, Diane, Jeff, Yanni, Kate, and Mary. Uh, there's no doubt that Transformation 365 is one of the really 
wonderful things that's emerged from this joining of the interspiritual network and community with the global Unity Earth Network. Now, as a part of all the attention that's being given to the activities of the Standing for Peace campaign, as a part of Unity Earth's ongoing Road to 2020 events, media, and initiatives, this is really an important aspect that you have just discussed. So we urge everybody who's listening to contact the Transformation 365 group, as they just indicated. So many, many thanks again. Such a delight to have you on. So next, I'm going to actually be moving over to a discussion precisely of vision and plans of Unity Earth in 2019 and its ongoing activities on the road to 2020 and the Standing for Peace campaign, which is the title of this Voice America special. So I'm going to move over now to welcome Ben Bowler and Adam Collette of Unity Earth and Rick Ulfick of We the World and the 11 Days of Global Unity, a Unity Earth partner. Welcome back to this next segment of Standing for Peace, Spotlighting Spiritual Practice and Activism here on the Convergence on Voice America. This is your series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson of the Interspiritual Network and Unity Earth. This Voice America special is about multiple events and activities regarding spiritual practice and activism, especially as is rolled out in 2019, starting with Unity Earth's Standing for Peace campaign and with the June 21st International Day of Yoga and ongoing throughout the year. Our Unity Earth Network team has done two special online magazine issues during this period, first with the International Day of Yoga Committee at the United Nations for Yoga Day itself, and then an expanded issue at the time of this broadcast looking at all of 2009. You've just heard about those on the first three segments of this program. In this, in this segment, we're going to move to a discussion precisely on the vision and plans of Unity Earth in 2019 and 2020, with its ongoing initiatives on its road to 2020, and the Standing for Peace campaign, which is the title of this Voice America special. So I'm here to welcome Ben Bowler and Adam Collette, of Unity Earth, and Rick Ulfick of We the World and the 11 Days of Global Unity, a Unity Earth partner. Their complete bios are at the Convergent show page at Voice America, and also at the Unity Earth website, which is www.unity.earth. So let's start with Ben. So Ben, uh, Unity Earth began its Road to 2020 vision now nearly three years ago and an amazing number of global events have resulted. Everybody can learn about them at www.unity.earth. With 2020 just about a year away, the programs for the Road to 2020 continue to clarify and form up, especially with the Standing for Peace campaign and the Caravan of Unity Across America in 2020. So Ben, as Executive Director of Unity Earth, Tell us about the vision for 2019 and 2020. Well, thank you very much, Kurt. And uh, let me start by saying it's wonderful. It's a great honor to be back here on this wonderful series uh, that's been running for a number of years now and has really been tracking and recording and documenting uh, this extraordinary journey that we're all on. Um, that's right, Kurt. It was October 
2016 when we formally launched the Road to 2020 at the UN Tillman Chapel uh, in New York uh, with great ceremony and song and, and a great spirit of optimism and hope. Uh, and, that, and that light uh, has really gone around the world with us through these series of events. Um, you know, the return to country of Mungo Man here in Australia, honouring you know, the oldest living culture on earth uh, was a very, very important moment in many levels. And then carrying that to Africa and the African Union in uh, Uday, Ethiopia, 2018. And just been building and building and building ever since. There are events uh, such as the Toronto Convergence, the pre-event of the Parliament of World's Religions, and then the big New York uh, liftoff event in February uh, of this year. Uh, and of course, we had a Fields of Healing in Byron Bay too. So there's been many, many different events around the world, including in India, uh, convergence events, and we're getting ready for a major event there later this year, which I'll, I'll, I'll touch on. But it's a really exciting time. It's a very exciting time. And it feels like we're really pulling together towards some kind of, um, you know, uh, rising up uh, in this story. And really the Standing for Peace campaign uh, is a big part of that. It's, it's really putting the message out there and really inviting everybody uh, to connect and uh, building that platform that people can come and connect around, bringing together those that are motivated by spiritual concerns with those that are motivated by the ecological crisis to those that are focused on the social concerns of poverty and justice and inter intercultural and interracial harmony, bringing all of those different groups together to rise up and stand up together for peace and for sustainability. So Unity Earth as a global network of partnerships is really connecting and building uh, a cohesive, visible framework that can be seen. And as we get ready for events later this year and moving into the big year, as you said, Kurt, next year, uh, we're really tremendously excited about what we see as the, as the possibilities and the potentials. And at the same time, driven by that sense of urgency that the time is now for us to come together and to create new uh, systems of unity and of harmony. So one of the things we're really excited about is we're going to be having an event back here in Australia uh, in November, which is the Melbourne Convergence, Parto and Antoinette, and working with our partners such as the uh, Charter of Compassion, the Compassionate Cities, the Guard Jameson, the uh, United Religions Initiative, and bringing all of those groups here together. And that's going to be on the anniversary, the two-year anniversary of the return to country of Mungo Man. So bringing in those, you know, one of the things that's really significant and important for all of us at Unity Earth is honouring and respecting our Indigenous traditions around the world. So that's going to be an important one. And then going to India in November, Kurt, for the Varanasi Convergence. Once again, uh, honouring our global partnership with the United Religions Initiative. And uh, there in Varanasi on the Holy River, uh, bringing all of the Unity Earth family together uh, in music and in ceremony and song and building up to what we feel is a very, very big one, which is Uday Holy Land at the beginning of 2020. Back in World Interfaith Harmony Week, February 2020, from 1 to 7, it's going to be a series of events in Jordan and Palestine and Jerusalem and Israel all together uh, as part of the celebration of UN World Interfaith Harmony Week, bringing the musicians in ceremony and in solemn song and, uh, and together standing for peace, standing for peace in the Middle East, and that's going to be something which, through the Standing for Peace campaign and our online partners, we're going to be holding global virtual events to support that as well. And that's really going to lay the foundation for what happens later in the year with the Caravan of Unity across America. So there's a lot going on. It all ties into the Standing for Peace campaign. And uh, these series of local global events around uh, different continents over the next 20 months 
uh, whether or not people can physically be there, the beautiful thing is everyone's invited to participate and ultimately it's going to take all of us to get this done. So it's a very, very exciting time and thanks for, uh, for shining a spotlight on it today, Kurt. Wow, Ben, that's great. I mean, it's so great to hear such a report from Unity Earth's executive director a couple years into all this planning and all the amazing programs and media that we've already done with the network around the world. So we're going to go now over to Adam Collette, who's the creative director for Unity Earth and for their Standing for Peace campaign. So Adam, tell us about the Standing for Peace campaign and its role on the road to 2020 as we move through 2019 and into that banner year 2020. Yeah, thank you so much, Kurt, for having me. And it's um, really an honor to connect in with the Interspiritual Network and um, We the World and all of these other incredible groups that have laid the groundwork for something like this to happen. And, um, you know, I've jumped on board recently with Unity Earth and just seen such a rich, diverse um, group and even the framework of partnerships, as Ben describes it. And um, just bringing, you know, what what I see is a, a bit of a next step in how do we take that incredible momentum and reach out um, to connect with the millions or the tens of millions, you know, in order to, to really grow to this sort of unprecedented scale that we know we need to gather the resources and to gather the people for this mission. So the Standing for Peace campaign um, has come about in the last few months, you know, as a, as a bit of a mechanism as how we can not just, you know, showcase, you know, the Unity Earth story, but really um, highlight these thousands of incredible people and projects and groups all over the world and every continent. You know, there are phenomenal things that are already happening. Um, and we just find that, um, you know, these stories aren't being told as much as they should be told. So we really see this as an opportunity to run a media campaign over the next six months to to lift these stories of hope, these stories of, you know, dreams being realized, these stories of collaboration um, where there used to be competition or where unity is taking root in communities where there used to be division and um, really take these stories to another level. So um, the Standing for Peace campaign is really going to be, you know, not just a social media driven thing, but how do we connect it in with these events that are happening all over the world? So we've launched with this incredible platform called Charity, um, who do a social participation um, plan, you know, plans on social media. And it allows anybody in the world to sort of put themselves in the frame. We have this beautiful standing for peace frame. And we really is to an invitation for anybody who is out there in the world who is standing for peace in their own way, big or small, to join us on this journey and to highlight whatever is on their heart, whatever their mission is, in their community, in their region, in their nation, and to all get together and say, look, we have these thousands and thousands of incredible stories of standing for peace. What happens if we bring them all together into this media campaign and shine a light on this growing movement globally? And, and that's what Unity Earth just does so, so beautifully is connect in with the different groups in, on the different places, whether it's here in Australia that is returned to country in fields of healing or whether it's in India in Varanasi or when we go to the Holy Land, it's really connecting in with the groups on the ground that are doing that remarkable work. And even with, you know, what um, you know, this group is doing, an interspiritual network and all these other groups that are part of, you know, these specials, 
Um, Unity Earth is just here to create this space, you know, for everybody to come in and collaborate and work together on these initiatives moving forward. Um, as Ben says a lot, you know, we know we can get there, but we'll only get there if we get there together. And the Standing for Peace campaign is really just this opportunity to expand our circles and expand what is possible when we start to bring in the tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands, give them a point of connection into this beautiful burgeoning community that is Unity Earth. And to move forward and say, you know, let's do Standing for Peace in the Middle East, Standing for Peace across America. There's all over the world, you know, people are wanting something like this. And we feel like we have an opportunity um, to really invite everybody into a space. Oh, great, Adam. It's so great to hear that. And everybody, uh, you can go right now, actually, to standingforpeace.org or unity.earth, and there are lots of opportunities already in the mill and unfolding as a part of the Standing for Peace campaign. So to continue, I want to go now to Rick Alfick, who's the founder of both We the World and the 11 Days of Global Unity. We the World and we.net are part <coughs> of Unity Earth, and We the World is annually the big mover and shaker for the events across the United Nations community, and especially in New York City, for the major events of the United Nations calendar, which include the annual 21st of September, International Day of Peace, which is also the target date and target celebrations, culminating the Road to 2020 Caravan of Unity in 2020. So, Rick, tell us about we and we the world, the 11 days of global unity and the International Day of Peace, and how they fit in to the ongoing vision for 2019 and 2020. Okay, well, thank you so much, Kurt. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on the show with you and everyone and to collaborate to make the Standing for Peace campaign a real success. We the World at we.net is an international coalition building organization whose mission is to maximize social change globally until we have a world that works for all. We the world creates and promotes programs, platforms and campaigns that unite and amplify the efforts of change makers working for the common good. In 2004, we, we the world brought together many global partners to launch 11 Days of Global Unity starting on September 11th and culminating on September 21st, the UN International Day of Peace. 11 Days is a worldwide platform for the promotion of peace, justice, sustainability, and transformation with 11 campaigns for change that include themes like unity, environment, economic justice, women, human rights, disarmament, and peace. And you and your organization, everyone listening to this, can participate by going to we.net. And I'm so happy that we've had supporters and participants who have included some of the most visionary leaders and activists of our time, like Desmond Tutu, Jane Goodall, Deepak Chopra, Bill McKibben, Marianne Williamson, who's running for president now in the United States, uh, Daniel Ellsberg, Arun Gandhi, 
and also organizations like Amnesty International, Oxfam America, United Religions Initiative, Earth Dance, Shift Network, the Char Charter for Compassion, Compassion Games, and of course, Unity Earth. In 2019, we will be celebrating the 15th anniversary of 11 Days of Global Unity. And the amazing activities this year will be a major dress rehearsal for all of Unity Earth and everyone's plans for 2020 with the caravan of unity and everything else. So here are some highlights for September of 2019. Karen Palmer, who's on our WE team, we team uh, who is host of Kindness Connects Us and co-founder of the uh, Facebook page, Spirituality Gone Wild, she and I will be carrying for forward the tradition of the 11 Days of Global Unity Telesummit, do, doing interviews on each of the 11 themes during each of the 11 days of global, global unity, uh, September 11th through September 21st, as special editions of our monthly Welcome to We show. And in California, this will be the first year that Karen and others will co-create a curriculum for Southern California elementary schools that will teach the 11 themes of 11 Days of Global Unity, how each child can be part of the solution and the power of kindness to help achieve our sustainable development goals. This program will educate K through sixth grade with empathy, uh, music, art, and creativity, cultivating compassion, kindness, and peace education. They will also be collecting video content for the, uh, the, the program called An Urgent Message from Your Children at weyourchildren.org. Um, let's see, she, Karen will also host a live online global meditation on the International Day of Peace and have live events on her at, at her local botanic garden um, during 11 days. On Sunday, September 15th, Susanna Bastarica will host the Vigil for Peace and Ecology at the Banshell in Central Park in New York City. This is an annual event uh, that's an all-day festival for uh, speakers, performers, arts and crafts, children and adults of all ages. Sue Blythe, uh, who's also part of uh, We The World's WE team, is developing a collaboration between We The World, Unity Earth, Compassion Games, Earth Charter International, and several Florida universities on the road to 2020 and beyond to illuminate the Earth Charter and create cl uh, a climate collaboratory at San San Santa Fe College uh, that will be launching during 11 days of global unity. Um, it will include all kinds of interesting things like uh, something called the Storytelling Wagon, which is uh, inspired by uh, grandmother Shannon Crossbear's storytelling 
wagon, which will be part of the road to 2020 and beyond. Lanny Smith in Nashville, ten Tennessee, will be organizing some of the finest peace and environmental songwriters in the world to release an intimate concert video and an audio concert spoken word journey covering the 11 themes and the 11 uh, of the 11 days of global unity. Judith McNeilis will be working with We the World and Humanities team to enhance the role of the mass media and social media in raising awareness of ecological and social challenges and to recognize the importance of moral and spiritual education for sustainable living. During 11 days, we will also be supporting some of our global allies and partners. For example, with the global climate strike called for September 20th by Greta Thunberg and our allies at 350.org and many others. The International Day of Peace weekend will have many, many events around the world, including a 72-hour online video festival uh, with the Compassion Games, Unify, and, and many, many others. Uh, the last thing I'll mention is that the, uh, uh, our allies, the Parliamentarians for Nuclear Non-Proliferation and, and Disarmament will be launching their campaign uh, to move the nuclear weapons money. And that's being launched uh, from September 20th to September 26th, which is the global day to uh, ban uh, nuclear weapons. So, of course, people can find out more by going to New York, to uh, we.net and uh, check out the Global Unity Calendar. So thank you so much, and I'm so excited about all of these things going on to support Standing for Peace campaign, Unity Earth, and the Road to 2020. Well, Rick, thanks so much, because especially, you know, this whole broadcast points toward those events in September. And as everybody heard on the first segment, we had done the magazine issue for June's International Day of Yoga. And around the same time as all the events that you're talking about, we'll be doing this big special issue called Changemakers Leadership and Transformation with along with all the amazing leaders that you just talked about, we're going to have a, a really a slew of household world leaders in that issue. And then we have an entire Voice America special planned around the events of September, which is still to be designed as they unfold. So between everything that Ben summarized and Adam and now you, it, it, it's amazing what's unfolding. So I'm going to go back to Ben a moment simply because we've been on here actually from Australia and New York, and you guys have had a chance to hear each other. So, Ben, what would you like to say to just wrap up a bit here before I tell people about what's in the next and last segment? Oh, no, this is great, Kurt. Uh, so exciting to hear uh, Adam talking about the Standing for Peace campaign. Uh, very, very um, you know, thrilling to hear and, and, and to feel what's possible and what's brewing with that. And to hear Rick uh, just lay out that amazing uh, web of uh, partnerships that are working with We The World and and the work that We The World's done over the last 14 years, and as Adam said, you know, really laying the groundwork for what all of us are now doing, and, uh, and, and also to hear some of those activities that are planned for this year and next year. Uh, I did just also want to give a shout-out to our partners in the Middle East, which is a, 
incredible organization called Echo Peace. And you can find them at echopeace.org. They're doing amazing work, and we are thrilled and delighted to be working with them. And, and I guess the final comment, Kurt, uh, is just to say that the, the fulcrum here, the, the, the kind of the buildup of all of this, all of these organizations, all of these groups, all of these initiatives, uh, and these passion areas that are coming together in this extraordinary process uh, is leading to a point. And that point is, as, as everybody said, uh, the International Day of Peace 2020, that's September the 21st, 2020. Now it's a Monday in 2020. And what uh, the, the, the organizations, the networks, our friends at the Emerging Sign Network and Unify and other groups are, are doing is de- along with us as Unity Earth and our partners, declaring this uh, the world's first global holiday to celebrate uh, peace all over the world uh, on that day in a way that the International Day of Peace has been doing for 30 years but to do it in a way that's really going to the next level of breaking through into the mainstream and the popular culture. So all of these elements that Rick's laid out and these events and these initiatives, the build-up, the events in Australia and Africa and India and the Middle East, all building up to this caravan of unity across America, which culminates and finishes there in New York City on that day, uh, September 21, uh, which is the Peace Weekend 2020. So until that day, we say. And everything here is building up towards that moment. And maybe at some point we need to get some billboards out there in New York City, Kurt, with big billboards in Times Square saying, until that day. I know a Rastafarian would be very happy to see that. But uh, just, to, just to make that comment, it's coming, and that's the point we're all going to. So get on board, jump on the Standing for Peace campaign, jump on we.net, get on unity.earth, get engaged. We, we need you. We need you on board. We can make this happen, but as Adam has said, it's going to take all of us to do it. So thank you, Kurt, for giving us the opportunity to come together. No, my pleasure. And uh, it's been just absolutely great to have you guys wrap up what's really been a bunch of inspiring segments about all of these same things that will be unfolding. So thanks to Ben and to Adam and Rick, both from New York and Australia. I think these segments of this Voice America special have given our audience a really exciting vision of the things that will be unfolding from now through 2019 and 2020. 2020 is such an important year for America and actually for the whole world. So to close out, I'm going to go over now uh, as a part of just closing out this amazing special to talk to the Reverend Deborah Moldau, who's the founder of the Garden of Light and the co-coordinator of the Evolutionary Leaders, which you can find at www evolutionaryleaders.net. And Deborah's going to summarize not only the importance of these times and the role of spiritual practice, activism, and spiritual lifestyle in creating the leadership that is solely so dearly needed in these uh, challenging times. So now I'm going to go over and welcome Deborah. Over the last years, we have seen the steady build-up on the road to 2020, with events in many countries around the world promoting unity, harmony and sustainability. Now the time is upon us for the grand finale, the caravan of unity across America, inviting a vast number of groups and movements to come together to stand up visibly for peace and for unity. The caravan will be a month-long series of events like no other. 
The Caravan of Unity is scheduled to begin with great ceremony in San Francisco at the historic Grace Cathedral on August the 28th, 2020, and wind its way across the United States, arriving in New York City on Peace Weekend, September 19 to 21, when many thousands of groups around the world will be celebrating the International Day of Peace. At the same time, a Caravan of Unity across Europe will be moving from Rumi's tomb in central Turkey via many sacred and historic sites to London on the International Day of Peace. We are inviting you to play a key role. If you would like to connect to the Caravan of Unity or to host an event, please go to www.unity.earth forward slash caravan and complete the form. Join us in making history as we stand up together for unity and peace. Welcome back to The Convergence here on Voice America. We've just completed four great segments on activities going on worldwide with regard to spiritual practice and activism. There are so many exciting events and initiatives going on through the rest of 2019 and into 2020, and so much of that is framed by the vision of the Road to 2020 by Unity Earth and all of its global partners, and their combined Standing for Peace campaign and the anticipated Caravan of Unity across America in 2020, which we've also talked about extensively on this program. So a hallmark of this is the role of the evolutionary leader circle in these many events and initiatives and the media surrounding them. In fact, at last count, some 68 evolutionary leaders have been involved already in events, initiatives, and media around all of these ongoing plans. So I'm really pleased to be joined here in this final segment and happy to welcome the Reverend Deborah Moldau, who is both the founder of the Garden of Light, and the international director of the Evolutionary Leaders. Her bio is at the Voice America show page and also at www.unity.earth. So, Deborah, welcome, and start out by telling us who the Evolutionary Leaders are and what they do. Thank you so much, Kurt. Uh, it's really wonderful to be with you and so many of our friends on this program. There's so much happening right now. It really feels like the evolution of human consciousness is in full swing. So I'm very happy to talk about the beautiful community uh, of visionaries that is the evolutionary leaders. The evolutionary leaders uh, started out as a project of the Source of Synergy Foundation, which was founded by a great visionary, Diane Williams, back in 2006. And uh, she began working almost immediately with Deepak Chopra. And uh, together, uh, we organized uh, a couple of um, gatherings of international leaders at the Chopra Center in New York. And we knew a lot of these people from the work of their organizations that are NGOs at the United Nations, where Diane and I met. After doing this um, a couple of times, and they were very successful, lively visioning sessions, we started to think about all of the leaders of the consciousness movement who are based in California, where Deepak Chopra has a, a center 
in Carlsbad. So we asked Deepak whether he would be interested in co-convening a meeting of those people uh, the following year. And so we sent out invitations to this gathering that was co-convened by uh, the Chopra Center, the Association for Global New Thought, and, of course, the Source of Synergy Foundation. And everybody said yes, <laughs> because Deepak was convening them. So we had a marvelous group of about 35 authors and teachers and scientists whose work was really at the, the cutting edge of new thinking about consciousness and particularly the conscious evolution of humanity. And we didn't know that this group was going to continue, but two things happened following the first meeting. The first was that Dr. Bruce Lipton got up in the middle of the meeting and he said, I think we should do what the founding fathers did when they started to envision the United States of America. We should have a declaration. So the evolutionary leaders co-drafted the call to conscious evolution, which you can still find on our website at evolutionaryleaders.net. And the other thing was that they wanted to meet again and again and again. So we invited them to bring on more people. Each year we have nominations from within, and the Evolutionary Leaders Circle members nominate other people that they think are at the cutting edge in their field. And that's how the Evolutionary Leaders got started. Since then, we've gathered them in a retreat, which actually now we're calling an advance uh, every year. Barbara Marks Hubbard said, we should never retreat. We need to advance. <laughs> so that's what we do now. And um, now we have 171 amazing members of this circle. And you can see all of them at the website at evolutionaryleaders.net. Wow, Deborah, that's really great to get that history and to hear, you know, how much has grown. I've I've been a part of the evolutionary leaders now going on four years, and there's, as we've said on this program, they're just so pivotal to everything that's unfolding in all of these global activities. So tell us particularly well, we, how you We found, see... Kurt, that something happens when we bring people together, and we create a collective field of intention. And I think uh, many of our listeners will be aware of the work of some of our evolutionary leaders in, in uh, building a field and how powerful it is. So we have people whose work individually is amazing uh, on this cutting edge of so many different fields, but we also have something special that happens when we come together and create community. And, and we also feel that we're in community with a, the those who are leading the evolution from all walks of life all over the world. So we don't in any way feel that we are the only evolutionary leaders. No, there's a whole evolutionary community out there really longing for a new way for humanity to live in harmony with one another and with our beautiful planet at this very critical moment in time. Yeah, absolutely, and you're absolutely right that we've been able to bring so many other groups into this network of network ideas. And so what I was going to ask, uh, if you can particularly just say a bit more about the ongoing work and vision of the evolutionary leaders as you see them syncing up with what seems to be a host of 
amazing global events and initiatives that are going on not only through 2019 and 2020, but in this time that people feel is really so pivotal. Well, I'm particularly excited about the road to 2020 culminating in the International Day of Peace, which I personally worked on for 20 years at the United Nations when I was representing May Peace Prevail on Earth uh, in the NGO community at the UN. So it's very exciting to me. Uh, There are many evolutionary leaders involved with Unity Earth, which is organizing these programs. And there are also uh, quite a number of evolutionary leaders who have uh, large groups that they bring together for different purposes, like Humanities Team, which organizes Global Oneness Day, like the Shift Network that produces so many uh, exciting courses that are right on the edge of evolution so that everybody can jump in, and um, the Compassion Games and the Empowerment Institute and, and Unify. So um, they're already, we're, we're already a collective of collectives. And over the last couple of years, we've been particularly encouraging the Evolutionary Leaders Circle to come together around interest areas that we call synergy circles. So a good example of that is the conscious business synergy circle that you and I have been working on with Steve Farrell of Humanities Team. And uh, that is an open invitation for all of the people who are on the leading edge of what business can look like to, to make a real impact, positive impact on the planet. And there are other synergy circles that are developing. There's one around conscious media. There's one around uh, non-local communication that is, uh, that is coming together. And there are quite a number of ELs who are working on the initiative for peace in 2030. So uh, we're very excited to see the evolutionary leaders' work come even further out into the world as a collective in support of one another and all of us together with so many people all over the world in support of what Barbara Marks Hubbard, one of our original members, called conscious evolution, that this is the moment when humanity can really decide if we're ready to step into the next level of our evolution and create something new here on planet Earth, a whole civilization that is, that is working together in harmony for the greater good. So let's hope everybody gets on board. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And that is such a great round out to having started uh, the program with representatives from committees from the UN and then moving on through the leaders of Unity Earth and all the different aspects being planned in the next two years. So thank you so much because each of these persons who are a part of the evolutionary leaders are such a powerful circle of global activists and change makers and many of them actually going to be a part of our light on light magazine special issue for september for the september international day of peace which is entitled change makers leadership and transformation and i think there's nearly 20 evolutionary leaders involved in that issue so it's been great to close out this special on spiritual practice and activism and standing for peace with you, uh, Deborah. 
So in closing out, I want to remind our audience that we're going to be back here on the Convergence on Voice America with another special on September 6th, co-hosted by Rick Ulfick of We the World, 11 Days of Global Unity, and all the International Day of Peace festivities across the United Nations community. And in the meantime, we have three inspiring issues of Light on Light magazine appearing, one in August on spiritual practice and activism that follows on this broadcast, one in September, October, which is our changemaker issue, leadership and transformation, and then one closing out the year entitled Conscious Business for a Flourishing World, which, as Deborah just said, has been in collaboration with the Conscious Business Synergy Circle of the Evolutionary Leaders and Humanities Team. So you're going to be able to find all of these issues easily. They're all free at www.unity.earth, at www.standingforpeace.org, and at the Facebook page of Light on Light Magazine at Facebook. So keep yourself informed there, and we'll be back on Voice America in September for all the global activities of the International Day of Peace. I search my way through wreckage, try to find a peace to save. Was it a hurricane? Was it rain? Was it a warm tsunami? We think we're thick with courage That's an insult to the brave While all our hearts are mortgaged And our minds are media slaves The world is warming up as we are Mother Nature's Just inside, she is taking to the streets to release her secret rage. Just inside, or will we collapse? Just inside. They'll put a price now on the sun Elections read like tragedies Democracy wakes up diseased Yeah 